This episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast is presented by Sling. Using Sling, you can watch the upcoming CONCACAF Gold Cup and this summer's Women's World Cup on Fox's channels. Again, you can watch the Women's World Cup and the CONCACAF Gold Cup, which we'll be talking about in this interview on Sling. The CONCACAF Gold Cup starts this weekend, and the United States is certainly the favorite coming off of their Nations League victory just a week ago. So today I have the pleasure of talking to John Arnold, a journalist that will be covering the tournament and the author of the newsletter, Getting CONCACAF. And John, I'll just jump right into the little questions I have prepared. Uh, The U.S. is certainly the favorite to defend its Gold Cup title, just as it did in 2021. I want to ask you, what is your outlook for the United States? I know it's a much-changed squad, only five holdovers from the Nations League team that just defeated Canada and Mexico. What's your uh, general opinion on how the U.S. is looking going into this tournament? Uh, this is the second time the U.S. has made this calculus where they say, hey, we're good enough to win the Nations League and then do a totally different squad and win the Gold Cup. And look, they did it last time, and maybe they'll be right again this time. When you look at that U.S. team, I think those holdovers are the the kind of critical players. I'm really interested to see what Alejandro Zendejas does. Uh, he was part of that Nations League squad but didn't play. Matt Turner, will he be the starting goalkeeper? Are they going to let someone else kind of get an opportunity? Uh, But when you look at the U.S. player pool, when you look at the results of the Nations League, it just looks deeper than a lot of the teams in the region. So I think how the U.S.'s depth competes with some of the best from other North American rivals, Mexico and Canada, a couple Caribbean potential spoilers, as we'll get to, I'm sure, Um, you know, it, 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 it is a challenge. Add into the mix that you got an interim to the interim manager in BJ Callahan, but that didn't stop them at all in the Nations League. So I think it's going to be, look, maybe more interesting than fans expect. I feel like there's a lot of sort of uh, apathy toward this tournament. And I kind of get that, right? The U.S. had just won this tournament. They just won the Nations League. So I think if fans say, well, whatever, like we don't even have our manager we're going to have, we're really more focused on the Nations League next time around or the Copa America. In a way, that's fair. In another, imagine the statement that the U.S. will be making is if if they can win this tournament again with a B team. What do you you think you call a calculus that U.S. soccer is taking? Is it just that they might prioritize the Nations League or is it something that they want to give as many players a chance to play in significant competitive games as possible? I think the calculus is even more long-term than Nations League versus Gold Cup. You know, it's a pandemic-related accident that these tournaments are happening at the same time. We're kind of finally getting out of that cycle, thankfully, now that we're all able to go to stadiums again and and, and live like we did. Uh, So the next Nations League Final Four will be in March, which is the way this was going to be designed from minute one. Uh, but then COVID-19 threw a wrench in everything. So teams won't have to make this decision anymore, which I think is a good thing. Uh, There's also probably too many gold cups, uh, which I've talked about a lot. I'd like to see it on the Asian cup schedule every four years with the tournament in between every two years for the the developing nations. But the U.S. isn't a developing nation. So I think they're making this calculus not necessarily to try and foster depth, but more to make sure that big stars like Christian Pulisic can sort out their club situation and have some vacation like Weston McKinney. Uh, There are players that are injured, Tyler Adams, you know, you don't want to rush them back. So I think that the U.S. says, hey, we're good enough. We have a deep enough player pool to do this. And again, so far, like they've been right. You know, if they had lost the Gold Cup in 2021 after winning Nations League or if they 
uh, falter in the group stage this time around. And I think there's a fair level of criticism that can come in for, but ultimately, especially in international soccer, where you have a smaller sample size, the results speak. And right now the results say the U.S. is good enough to do this. John, you already brought up B.J. Callahan. This is going to be his second major competition, and he won't be back for that same head coaching role after the tournament because obviously Greg Berhalter was stealing the headlines during the Nations League. But there's a chance that B.J. Callahan could still be involved in the coaching staff for U.S. soccer, or he could take the Anthony Hudson approach and go coach somewhere else, depending on how results go. For him individually, how important is the Gold Cup? I mean, he's the one that picked the squad. He'll be the one on the sideline making all the crucial decisions. For B.J. Callahan, how important is it to get a lot of solid results out of this tournament? I think for B.J. Callahan, this is the big test. We don't know much about him as a person. We don't know much about him as a coach. He won these two Nations League games, but in a lot of ways, I think that can be credit to the way that the U.S. has structured the program, Burhalter and the continuity for Hudson and the continuity in Callahan where the players understand what their role is going to be. He made a couple of tactical switches that I liked, in the, in specifically in the Nations League final, shutting things down against Canada late, although they did have a decent chance, but... You know, those are going to happen. Chances are going to happen in soccer. I think that the Gold Cup gives a manager both the chance to show that they are really good and smart and capable and the chance to sort of show that they're not. It's a longer tournament. There's group games. You have to manage player rotation in a way you didn't have to in the Nations League where you have two games in a four or five day span. You can play your best 11. You can generally, you know, we had to make a couple of decisions with the suspensions, with an injury to to uh, to Miles Robinson. But ultimately, in a way, I guess what I'm getting around is it feels like that Nations League team almost could have run itself. That's not the case in a tournament like the Gold Cup, especially without some of the veteran leadership that you had in that tournament. The U.S. still has leaders that can rely on. Matt Turner is still in from that first roster. Christian Roldan is in. There's players with experience, DeAndre Yedlin. But ultimately, I think that B.J. Callahan can show exactly what he can do. Is he going to be a head coach in MLS? Is he going to go take another opportunity? Is he going to be on Greg Berhalter's staff? Some of it is going to be up to what he does on in this tournament. Some of it's going to be about what BJ Callahan wants to do. So in this tournament, the U.S., is, it's safe to say they're the favorite despite the, the quote-unquote B team, as people are calling it. But, you know, you look back at the 2021 Gold Cup, they won so many of those games just by a score of 1-0 <clears throat> against teams that arguably they should be beating more comfortably. So do you think there's an emphasis on maybe winning games more comfortably, or is it just a matter of getting over the line and having these, these close games for a, a relatively younger squad? I feel like the quote-unquote gap in international soccer is is constantly shrinking and specifically in CONCACAF while we still see blowouts, we will see blowouts in this tournament. I promise. Um, it's closing because of the nation's league. You know, I think it's easy for fans of just the U S or Mexico to say, ah, nation's league, why do we have to do this? This sucks. We don't like it. It's extra work for the players. And, and it's not a competition that, that these teams necessarily want to play. Uh, but it's been massive for some of these countries that are coming out of the Gold Cup qualification rounds or even countries that lost in the Gold Cup qualification rounds. You know, these are, are places where this has never happened before. St. Kitts and Nevis in the United States group has never made a Gold Cup. They're starting to play games with a more frequent rhythm because of the Nations League and because they're trying to, to, to grow their program. But ultimately, you're going to have teams that are getting better which means you're not going to be able to just roll over teams 6-0, 7-0, 8-0 anymore. That being said, some of those opposition, uh, I think, will have trouble and there will be blowouts. But 
if fans are frustrated that the U.S. is only winning 1-0 or 2-0, that's the reality of international soccer now. I think that you have to, to kind of give credit to these teams. These teams know what the U.S. can do. They know how they can try and stop it. Uh, so I, I think, you know, especially when you talk about the favorites tag, well, is the U.S. the favorite? Maybe. I mean, yeah, they definitely have the defending title. They definitely won the Nations League. But you start to look at some of these other rosters, and and they're good rosters, you know. So I think – I guess what I'm saying is if, if the U.S. lifts the Gold Cup, they've done something remarkable that U.S. fans should be happy with. And even if they make it to quarterfinals, semifinals and fall short, you know, I suspect that the fan base will, will, will react relatively well to that. And I think they should. You talk about those developing squads and specifically in the U.S.'s group, one squad that really stood out to me was Jamaica. I mean, you look at the players that they're bringing in for this competition, so many of them are Great players in the Premier League. Leon Bailey for Aston Villa, Ethan Pinnock at Brentford, Mikel Antonio, a European champion now. And Damari Gray, I think, was the headline name that's going to be coming over for this this Gold Cup. Jamaica is a good team, given this, this squad. What do you see for their prospects in this tournament, and how could they cause some major trouble for the U.S. in this opening game this weekend? Jamaica is a team that has been close in the gold cup before it seems like they go in these cycles where players are committed and they do well players are not committed because of various reasons federation decisions frustration payment disputes and they don't compete when you have regularity you can get familiarity and and have that that team atmosphere and with a month to prepare essentially during the gold cup uh, i think that you know jamaica should put a good product on the field that said, they've lost or they haven't won in their last 10 matches across all competitions. They're coming in off of friendlies in Qatar where they lost to Qatar and lost to Jordan, a team that is not even to the standard of Qatar. That being said, guys like Bailey, Antonio, DeMar Gray, uh, as we're talking right now, is going through his very first Jamaica training session ever. He's going to have to integrate with the group. Playing the U.S. in that very first game will give a good measuring stick, but it's also going to be a tough one to win. I think the question for Jamaica in a lot of ways is how quickly they can bond together. Some of these guys have been together, played together in World Cup qualification, uh, but under a new manager, uh, Halgrimson, the Icelandic manager that we remember probably from the Euros and World Cup, the dentist, um, he's leading this team now. It's his first time outside of, uh, well, it's his first time in the Americas. He obviously coached Iceland and then coached in the Middle East. Uh, so how quickly can that idea uh, get transmitted to the group? How quickly do they come together? And and are things happy? You know, are is the vibe good? It's funny because, you know, in a lot of ways, the tactics is much more important. Talent, talent is much more important. But in Jamaica, I think a, a lot of it is how are players feeling? Are they happy to be there? Do they like each other? Are they getting along? And most critically, maybe is the federation providing the resources they need. We know that the reggae girls, the women's team heading to the World Cup, came out with a letter just a week or two ago saying, hey, we're not getting the support we need this keeps happening we got to fix this Uh, the men have been in the same place before so kind of how everyone is feeling and how things are being handled off the field is going to be a critical piece I think to say if Jamaica can compete when you look at this weekend it's a good opponent I think both teams have plenty of questions about them you know we know what Jamaica can do with their skilled players the midfield to me is like the big weakness because I think when you look at the the, the names we're saying, oh, Antonio and, and Gray and, and and Leon Bailey and then you kind of, oh, well, Ethan Pinnock and, you know, they got a lot of experience at the back and we're not talking about the midfield because uh, a lot of times there's big gaps there. And so 
Daniel Johnson has a big, big job on Saturday. I think the U.S. should still be the favorite in that game. But look, you can't take Jamaica lightly, even with their poor form, uh, because of the the roster that they bring. So this Icelandic manager and these uh, English players coming over to play for Jamaica, it's a big change when you come over to CONCACAF. As you can just see by the name of your newsletter, Getting CONCACAF, it's not really like any other kind of soccer. What kind of challenges does that bring these people that have experience in other styles of play, other other forms of the game? What are the challenges they might face in CONCACAF at a tournament like the Gold Cup? Well, for one, I mean, the Gold Cup, this first game kicks off extremely late. The late kickoff itself maybe isn't that different from what players have experienced in Europe, but... Part of the reason is going to be the weather. You know, it's 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 unpredictable. It's going to be hot in these some of these outdoor stadiums. Uh, that's going to be a challenge for these guys who aren't used to that. Yeah, Jamaica, okay. Yeah. Oh, sun and football. Yeah, but like if you've only played in England professionally your entire career, you're not used to that. Uh, I think that's something that that they're going to have to deal with for sure. You hear players a lot talk about the officiating and not in the CONCACAF refs are terrible way, but just in the fact that you have to to kind of adjust to the standard. There's a different level of acceptance of physicality. There's different interpretation of certain uh, judgment calls within the laws of the game that these players are going to have to get used to. And there's a massive amount of travel for this tournament. You know, everyone is getting on planes and, and going to, to multiple different venues. The travel was a little bit lighter last time around with the pandemic kind of, um, we, you know, most of us got vaccinated during that time. We we're kind of coming out of that moment, but uh, there were tighter groups. This time around, it's kind of back to your traditional gold cup. So teams are covering large, large distances. So um, between the weather, the distance, um, and and the refereeing, I think there's a lot of factors that are going to play into uh, you know an adaptation period for some of these players who aren't used to the region. So when you look at other potential teams that could win the Gold Cup, I think Mexico is always going to be one of those teams. And obviously the U.S. and Mexico are the only two teams that have ever won the Gold Cup. But Mexico is going through some transition. Oh, Canada, my man. Canada in oh, Canada, 2000. Canada don't, as don't well. Don't let me yeah. do – don't – there you go. We're going to get emails. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Totally just disregarding Canada. But yes, Canada as well. But looking at Mexico, a, a team that's going through transition right now, just fired their head coach, a team that – you know, you could sure they finished third at the Nations League, but it was an embarrassing performance, particularly against the United States. They have players that can make a difference. I mean, you look at Memo Ochoa is back on this team. Edson Alvarez, uh, Julian Araujo even can make a difference. Currently at Barcelona's B team, what what is your take on Mexico entering the Gold Cup? What what can they do? Is should the final and that should be their expectation? You think? Yes. No, absolutely. I think, you know, Mexico is not splitting their squad. They're trying to bring their best players to this tournament. And one of the reasons that Diego Coca is out as manager is because there were rumors that some players were saying, you know what, man, this isn't fun. The logistics are bad. They were staying around an hour from where they were training uh, for the Nations League. Players wanted to be closer. They wanted to kind of have that Vegas feel, I think. Um, And so I think there was a lot of frustration with the team and how it was being run. I wrote on the newsletter and getting CONCACAF that Diego Coca wasn't just let go because of the results on the field, though. Mexico has a new president who's actually now being called the commissioner as they restructure the federation. And he didn't hire Diego Coca. He wants to put his stamp on this national team. And with Jimmy Lozano as the interim manager, gets an opportunity to either see Lozano lift the gold cup and say, that's my guy. I appointed him. And now he's the permanent manager. Or to see the Mexican team fall short and say, you know what? I'm going to hire my guy now. This guy was just the interim. Here's our staff going forward as we try and win Copa America next summer and ultimately have a great performance in 2026 when we host World Cup matches. So Juan Carlos Rodriguez, the new president of the Mexican Federation, commissioner of the Mexican Federation, uh, had a lot to do and made the decision to move on from Diego Coca. 
the expectation for Mexico is always to win the the, uh, championship when it's a CONCACAF tournament. And the team has the talent to do it. But at the same time, there's some noticeable gaps. You know, without a healthy Raul Jimenez and Chicharito, Mexico's forward line is a big question. Santi Jimenez is doing amazing with Feyenoord, but he's yet to really stand out for the national team. Edson Alvarez is an absolute rock in the midfield. Who are the two-way players you put next to him if you run a 4-3-3? And how quickly do the players understand what Jimmy Lozano and his staff want to transmit to him? He's worked with some of these guys at the Olympic level before, but some of them will be getting their first experience with a new manager. So Mexico absolutely has to, to win this tournament. That's always the expectation for Mexico. And when you look at the roster, they do have the talent to do it. The question is if they can block out that outside noise. And ultimately, you know, I think it's easy to sort of like get caught up in the structural issues that Mexico has and talk about why they aren't as good as they were in the past. No team has won more gold cups, as you're alluding to, eight since the the kind of rebrand and the launch in 1991. But also, after we talk about the structural changes, we have to talk about the players on the field sometimes simply not living up to the hype and not reaching the level that they need to. Even some of the names we're talking about weren't, weren't amazing in the Nations League Final Four. So how Mexico can turn the page from that, forget about that frustration of that big-time blowout loss to the United States, uh, and how quickly they understand what Jimmy Lozano wants to do is going to go a long way toward determining if L3 is a true contender in this tournament, as they're expected to be and should be every time. Are there any other nations you think that could make some noise at this competition? I think Costa Rica and Canada are always among there, the teams that could go on a little run. But what about the uh, smaller nations? Is there any team, like Qatar was a semifinalist in 2021, is there any team that, that could make a difference for you that might not be getting the headlines going in? Costa Rica is, is very bad right now, I think. I think they're in a really, really difficult spot, um, well, that they put themselves in by sticking with manager Luis Fernando Suarez. Frankly, they played a, a brutally bad friendly against Ecuador just a few nights ago. Their preparation is poor. They lost to Guatemala in the lead-up. If you want to talk about a team that could be a potential surprise uh, package, you know, I don't think they're going to do anything wild, but Guatemala, you know, the second team in Group D, Cuba also comes in with good preparation if they don't have document issues. They got kicked out of the last tournament and they weren't able to take part in the last tournament because of document problems that the U.S. State Department kind of inflicts on Cuba. CONCACAF says, hey, this isn't our business. The Federation has to ask the U.S. government. They said, no, they didn't do it in time, et cetera. They're out of the tournament. Cuba qualified for this tournament in their own merit through their Nations League success. They should be able to get in the country from what I understand, talking to a couple of people um, on the ground affiliated with Cuba, but they are, uh, they still don't have visas in hand. So if they make it, they're a team that could be someone to watch out for. Injuries have hit them hard. Some of their best players are not going to be at the tournament, notably Ono Hernandez. Uh, but they played a, a good friendly against Uruguay, Bielsa's second game ever uh, as the Uruguay manager. So they're a team that maybe watch out for. And Guatemala in that same group with uh, Tena as the manager, uh, another former Mexico Olympic, this time gold medal winner, unlike Jimmy Lozano, who won bronze. He's leading the Guatemalan team. They've had some continuity. I don't think they necessarily have the talent uh, to make a deep run, but I think they're worth watching. The other team, quickly, uh, I want to get to is Canada. You know, I think that when you look at the frustration of falling short in that Nations League final and some, frankly, weird comments from John Herdman after he sort of said, oh, my team played. I don't know that he directly said my team played better, but that was the tone of his comments. He said, oh, you know, like he liked the way his team played. He, may, he definitely was sort of saying that they, the Canada played better soccer than the United States. 
I don't agree with that. And I don't think most observers would either. You know, I, I think this is a, a really important tournament for Herdman because on the one hand, he's taking Canada men's soccer to heights that they haven't reached in decades, obviously making the World Cup for the first time since the 80s, not only getting to the World Cup, but topping that qualification group. But then they get to the World Cup and they get nothing. And then they go to the Nations League and they beat Panama, but they really, really didn't do what they needed to do, weren't as good as advertised, weren't as good as we've seen against the U.S. So with Canada still 23 years removed from their last men's soccer trophy, I think there should be pressure and is pressure on John Herdman uh, to kind of produce the results that Canada, that Canadian fans, that Canada fans are expecting um, because since last spring, this Canada team really hasn't been able to do it. So I think they should be feeling pressure. They're the absolute favorite to, to top that group. But once you get out of the group stage in this tournament, I think things are going to get a little messy. You know, I think this might be a little more of a surprising tournament than last time around, a little less chalk. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the knockout rounds. Look, I'm a sickle. I'm excited for the whole thing. But I think when you talk about what's competitive, who's going to be uh, surprising, who's going to be someone that, that comes from off the radar, I think there could be a team or two. Um, that's in the quarterfinals or semifinals who we might not expect. Uh, the pressure is on for Canada. I think I'm circling Guatemala and Cuba. El Salvador, Qatar, you know, maybe just like last time. I think Costa Rica and Honduras are in bad places. I don't, I don't necessarily like uh, their opportunities to be dark horses. But it's CONCACAF. Anything can happen. It is CONCACAF and anything can happen. John, where can uh, people find your work and everything that you'll be doing uh, inside and around CONCACAF? I'm sticking on the bird app for now at, at Arnold comma John spell out comma no H and John and the best way to keep up with what I do and especially if you're into some of the discussion of um, more obscure countries or countries you don't know about or how they interact you know the U.S. is playing some of these teams who the heck is this team uh, check out the newsletter it's called getting CONCACAF if you search on Google or Bing or whatever for getting CONCACAF it should show up or you can go to getconcacaf.substack.com um there's a free edition, or you can pay five bucks a month or $50 a year for the premium tier, which gives you an extra newsletter or two every week. So hopefully you'll check it out. All right. John Arnold, the king of CONCACAF. I want to thank you for, uh, for coming on and talking Gold Cup. I know we're all looking forward to it, and I'm sure you are as well. Absolutely. I'll uh, look forward to the tournament. Hopefully it's a fun one. Hopefully. All right, John. Thanks. Have a good one.